Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, July 23rd, 2009. By embracing that you are a limitless divine being capable of fulfilling your potential, one can then allow themselves to be a bigger, better, and thriving human being as it is your divine birthright to shine your light. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I'm a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Margie Worrell, recognized internationally as an expert on living and leading with courage. Margie walks her talk when it comes to living boldly. An intrepid Australian, her work and adventurous spirit have taken her around the world from the Middle East to South America, Africa, and further. An ICF certified coach with a background in psychology and Fortune 500 business, Margie is the best-selling author of Find Your Courage. She has also co-authored two books, 101 Ways to Improve Your Life and Discover Your Inner Strengths, with success experts including Stephen Covey, Jack Canfield, Richard Canfield, Ken Blanchard, and John Gray. Margie is a speaker and has appeared on the Today Show, Channel 8 News, and makes common national appearances on the radio and TV. Mum to four noisy children between the ages of five and ten, she is particularly passionate about empowering other women to live their lives with greater clarity, confidence, and courage. Margie currently lives in Washington, D.C. with her family, and during the next hour, we will delve into her latest book, Find Your Courage, 12 Acts for Becoming Fearless at Work and in Life. Welcome, Margie. Thank you for joining me this evening on Evolution Revolution. It's an honor to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. So what was the turning point in your life when you recognized that you were able to become empowered from within and act with courage to overcome your life's obstacles? <laughs> oh, look, that's a big question. And, you know, I I I don't know that there was one particular turning point but I have to say I have had numerous I guess pretty pivotal moments through life where I've thought you know this is one of those I guess seminal times where you have a choice as to whether to let life determine um, who you're going to be or whether you go out and you determine this is who I'm going to be despite the circumstances I'm in. Very very empowering that's a very important point. So what gave you the inner wisdom to embrace that attitude that was probably not um, role modeled for you? You probably had to muster up the courage from within? Yeah, that's true. Um, You know, where do we find that from? You know, where do we get that wisdom? Where do we get it? I think, you know, deep inside every single human being, we are born with a a wisdom, a knowing. I think often, though, we become disconnected from it. And our fears and our ego and our insecurities and our limiting beliefs and our doubts keep us from really listening to that wisdom that's inside us that that can really help guide us in the choices we're making and how we confront the challenges that, that come our way. Very, very important. So you're a life coach, a courage coach. How do you connect with your clients? Ah, well, you know, I as far as when you say that, you know, how do I find clients or how do I actually establish rapport with clients or what's your connection with them and and what's the message that you bring forth that pertains to the offerings in the book Find Your Courage? Yeah, you know, I think I think what really resonates with people is that, you know, fear is a universal thing and people the world over 
struggle with doubts about who they are and what's possible for them. Uh, people the world over struggle with finding a sense of meaning and purpose in their life and then having the courage to pursue it. So I think when I wrote my book on courage, you know, I wrote it because, you know, one, it was, a, it was the kind of book that I knew that I would love to have had myself earlier in life. And because I just had a deep sense that there are many, many people who struggle to step up to the plate, to say, this is who I'm going to be. This is the kind of life I want to create. This is what I'm going to make a stand for. And uh, I'm not going to let what other people might say or the possibility that I might fail keep me from taking the actions I want to take. Wonderful. That's so important. And I think that we all in our hearts know that we're capable of that, but we need those support systems because we've all had different life experiences that can, in a sense, knock us down only to remind us that we can rise equally as high. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, often we look around and we see other people and we often, I think it's just human nature, we compare the challenges we're facing with people around us and we go, well, other people haven't had to deal with this particular challenge. But, you know, we all have, you know, burdens we have to bear throughout our lives. We all have different challenges that we have to rise to meet. And, you know, it's not fair or unfair. It just is. But I think, you know, so often when people hear me speak and, and when people have read my book on living with more courage and on not allowing our fears and doubts um, really run our lives, I think that people resonate with that message. It really speaks to that universal truth that, you know, ultimately we always have a choice whether or not we allow our circumstances to determine who we're going to be and the experience of life we're going to have or whether we're going to be really powerful in our life and, and us be at the helm of uh, our experience of life. You know, I completely relate to what you offer here. It, it's the, the information kind of resonated with me both personally and professionally as I read through Find Your Courage. And particularly, as you just you shared briefly, um, of your own experiences of overcoming leaving your home country and then some eating disorder issues and then, of course, life's challenges of the world just being <clears throat> in a state of, of conflict and fear and that just emanating through your being and you really learn to overcome and empower that so then therefore today you're able to really radiate that light and teach others how to tap into that inner potential and remember to conquer their fears and to find their courage. Yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned a few things there that I guess, um, you know I could have mentioned earlier, yes I did have bulimia, I had bulimia for about 10 years through my teens into my early 20s and, you know, it, sometimes people get a, a bit surprised, you know, with how candidly I'll share it or sometimes I'll forget to share it because whilst it was significant for me, it hasn't defined who I am. It's been a very, um, it certainly helped shape who I grew into being because I had to struggle with an eating disorder, which, you know, if I hadn't had one, I'd say, what's that all about? Just don't do it. But, you know, it's like when you meet someone who's got a gambling addiction or is an alcoholic or a sexual addiction or people who are incredibly insecure and are constantly going out with people who are terrible for them. And, you, you know, it's easy to go, well, why would you do that? Just stop doing it. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, the problem is in life, you know, we often do things which on the conscious intellectual level don't make sense sense if we if we were always just doing what we knew was the smart thing to do and just operating from that intellectual level you know we wouldn't be doing so many of the, the the things that we do that ultimately cause us a lot of suffering in life but it's so often the unconscious drivers the unconscious uh, beliefs we have about ourselves you know those fears and doubts that on the unconscious level really can drive so much of our behavior and often and obviously, you know, produce results for us in life that we don't want, whether it's miserable relationships, whether it's, you know, continual patterns of um, uh, failure in our careers or businesses, whether it's ongoing um, 
health and wellness problems and battles with weight. You know, why is it that we do things we know we shouldn't do and don't do the things we know we should do? <laughs> very, very good question. I could really relate to that part of the story because I myself had um, also from my early teens and some, right about 20 suffered an eating disorder, uh, although it was anorexia. And I think what they both indicate is just perfectionistic tendencies, whether you're impulsively, you're impulsively eating or impulsively starving. It just goes to show, there, show there's a lack of external uh, power or perceived external power. And I think you did a great job in the book, <clears throat> as I read through it, really breaking down the self-destructive mechanisms that would lead to perfectionism or obsessive compulsive or even just generalized anxiety disorder. I mean, how many people in just the U.S. today are diagnosed with that simple disorder, but it profoundly affects their life in a negative way? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think that quest to have everything be just perfect is something that a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, I think it's, you know, I often say it's not about things being right or wrong, whether it's perfectionism or whether it's um, uh, anything else. It's more, is this serving you or not serving you? You know, whether it's, uh, as I said, another example is fear. Is it fear right or wrong, good or bad? No. Is your fear serving you, keeping you safe, keeping you, allowing you to thrive in life, or is it holding you back? You know, and when it comes to perfectionism, you know, you think about it. If, if you had a guy doing an operation on your brain, you'd want to think that he was a perfectionist. <laughs> but, but, you know, often our desire to have things be just perfect, and just lined up, just right, that is what keeps us from getting out and doing the stuff that we could be doing because we're too stuck in having to have it just be right. We procrastinate. We put off doing things because we don't know that we're going to be able to do it just perfectly. We don't want others to think that we haven't got it 100% perfectly together. And, you know, that really keeps us from achieving, doing, and giving all that we're capable of. Yes, and I think that is so important to acknowledge. And it is it is humble to admit that we have these life obstacles, whatever they may be for you or me or the listeners out there. But what you do in the book is you bring forth 12 acts of courage. And in each one, you really break down a core piece of what can empower someone to overcome whatever fear they're facing and to, to find the courage within to pursue that and to overcome. So why don't we go into the 12 acts of courage at a very basic level and then we can elaborate uh, as, oh. as we feel. <laughs> well, would you like me to lead the way there? Please, please. Yeah, so the, okay. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you were going to go forward. Okay, well, you know, I start my book with the courage to take responsibility. And, you know, to me that had to be the first chapter of the book. And as I have, with, say, with my clients or to anyone in life, until you're willing to own your problems, until you're willing to own how you've contributed to where you find yourself in life right now, your experience of life, for all that's great about it, for all that's working for you, and for all that's not working for you, then you're not going to be able to address those aspects of your life that you'd like to improve. You know, if you're in a state of going, well, it's, you know, it's not really my fault, it's, you know, my parents, it's my teachers, it's my spouse, my girlfriend, my boss, the government, you know, they're the ones that are, that are, that are to blame for why my life, you know, isn't that great or completely sucks. When you're in that space, well, you know, you're not going to be effective in addressing anything because you're stuck in complaint, you're stuck in blame, and you're really stuck in... Um, in, in a very uh, uh, disempowering place because you're saying, you know, this has got nothing to do with me. So taking responsibility in our lives is really acknowledging that while we can't always choose our circumstances, we can always choose our response to them. And, you know, every, every, I, you know, every day, you know, I, you mentioned I have kids, I have four kids. Every day with my kids, every week it's in some aspect of my life, Something comes up that I don't like. It's not how I'd like it to be. And I think in those moments, we really need to practice self-awareness and go, how am I choosing to respond to this challenge right now? Whether it's 
a child who has failed to do something they promised to do or it's just a disappointment in a friend or something doesn't go the way we want uh, in our work. You know, that's life. So how am I going to choose to respond to it, whether or not I've actively contributed to it or not? Very, very important. And I think that if we, sh we as a nation, could really use implementing that in the elementary school system at a very young age, teaching people that they're responsible for their, creating their reality, even in just the classroom dynamic. I think that is so important. Oh, yeah. You know, it starts in elementary, well, it starts before elementary school. It starts in little children at the youngest, of age, you know, youngest age, and one and two and three and four-year-olds. But, you know, it's not just in our children, in our adult population. You think about the, the number of people in the U.S. who uh, almost, you know, rub their hands together when something happens to them because, ah, now I can take someone to court. And I remember the case a couple of years back where a judge sued the dry cleaners for ruining his favorite suit pants. And he was then awarded some ridiculous amount of money in the tens of thousands of dollars for emotional trauma. And I thought, you know, when you've got people who are like leaders in our society, it's a judge, you know, uh, abusing this court system like that and being rewarded for their behavior, being rewarded for, you know, their lack of responsibility. I think, you know, it sends out a really uh, damaging message and it's a obviously really bad role model, not only for other adults, but obviously for children. So I think really we adults need to take the lead in practicing personal responsibility, taking responsibility for our health and not overeating and then having all these health issues, which then we blame on our doctors for not treating properly. You know, taking responsibility for the state of our relationships and not blaming it on our spouse because our marriage has failed taking responsibility for our success at work and not blaming it on our co-workers and our boss because management just don't listen to us. I think, you know, there's so many areas in our own lives we can take responsibility. I agree, and I think that that is one of the elements. I think that was probably, just in my own journey, one of the elements that allowed me to really become empowered. And I found that the more responsible that I was willing to be for whatever circumstances, whether they were ideal or not so desirable, it, it empowered me. It, it's like I took some coins and deposited them on my self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was a great way to start out the book, to really say, okay, before we get down and dirty, start being responsible, or at least aware of the idea of being responsible. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think that's crucial. You know, then I move on to the importance of uh, having integrity in who we are. And actually anyone who wants to, I just wrote a blog post on this uh, in the last few days, which people can get to at findyourcourage.com. Just how important it is to take responsibility, sorry, to, to one, take responsibility and also then to live with integrity. To really say, you know what, I, where is there a gap between who I'm being and who I aspire to be, between what I know is the right thing to do and what I'm actually doing? And, you know, it's very easy to make lots of excuses about why we aren't doing what we really want to be doing or we didn't make a stand for what we knew was the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, there's so many paths we can follow in life, but integrity is that one path that we will never get lost on. And it's not always easy and it's not always convenient and it's certainly not always politically expedient. But I think ultimately, you know, Shakespeare's words, to thine own self be true, you know, he said them for a great reason because unless we have integrity, we're not going to be effective and powerful and successful in our lives. Well put, and I think that's evident in the um, on the bigger picture at our, our national decline the last, you know, 12, 15 months. Oh, look, absolutely. You know, I think of uh, you know, so much that's happened in Wall Street, so much that's happened in, uh, in so many different areas of, um, um, I guess, the, the U.S. economy. You know, not always were there people acting, acting with a lack of integrity, but certainly many times there were people got greedy and they cut corners and they failed to do what they knew was the right thing to do, whether it was legally 
required or not. And, you know, the results speak for themselves right now. And, you know, I don't feel like we've had a crisis in the economy so much as we've really had a crisis of integrity. That is so true. I think people's self-esteem is damaged in a sense that we've allowed ourselves as a nation to create this, um, I want to say, chaos in order to recreate it in hopefully a higher light. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, I remember when I was studying psychology, learning about, you know, how to teach kids to have self-worth. And and I think I, I had one or two small children at the time, and I thought, well, how do I teach my kids to have self-worth? You know, I always tell them, you're great, you're great, you're wonderful, I love you. And, you know, they said at the end of the day, you can tell your children they're the smartest, brightest kids in the whole world. But ultimately, self-worth comes from doing worthy things and getting our kids to do things that are worthwhile helps build self-worth in them. Likewise, how do we build our own sense of self-esteem, our own sense of self-worth? You know, we don't get it from others telling us we're great. I mean, that's a nice little temporary boost to the ego. We get self-worth when we do worthwhile things for others. And, you know, I can't emphasize that much. You know, enough you know right now in the economy there's a lot of people feeling very woe me and you know I've, I've lost my job I had to sell my house you know the list can go on and on and on and instead of focusing on all the things that aren't good and aren't going right in your life take a look around take a look around and see other people who are doing it tougher than you who, who would love to have what you have and do something worthwhile for them and you know being of service to others and getting outside your own little lunchbox and stepping out and doing something for others, it's something that's worthwhile, really helps to make you feel better about yourself and your lot in life. I think that is so important and I think that that really takes down to the core as to why you do what you do um, in your work and why I do what I do. I really love books. Since I was a little girl, I just read books. I'd read the encyclopedias. <laughs> My mom just thought I was a weird kid. And, and so for me, I was able to really turn that deep passion of reading into a support system to allow others to find the information that I found meaningful for me and maybe consider if it's meaningful for them. Therefore, I feel my self-esteem is, has evolved through the show and, of course, will continue to evolve throughout my life. <laughs> yeah, but I think absolutely. that's been a core contribution. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think just getting out and, 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 and looking outside ourselves, so often we become very introspective. And I think it's uh, by just continually stepping outside our own comfort zone and sometimes stepping outside our own comfort zone can actually be involved doing something for someone else. We're not used to doing it. It feels a bit uncomfortable. But, you know, I really feel as human beings, we're constantly, we're either growing or we're shrinking. We're either building our muscles for life or they're, you know, dwindling away and dissipating. So stepping outside our comfort zone, whether it's in something small or something big, is just what it what it what's required for us to continually grow as who in who we are as a human being. Whether it's taking on learning something new, whether a language, whether a sport, whether guitar, whether it's going outside and meeting some people we wouldn't usually um, meet and interact with. You know, there's so many things that we can do that that call on us to grow and be a bit bigger. Sounds wonderful to me. I'm ready for the challenge. <laughs> so once we have responsibility and, and then we've chosen to align with our inner integrity and create service meaningfully, what is one of the next acts of courage that's important in the process? Oh, well, there's, as I said, there's 12, and I don't know that we're going to get through them all. I'll just kind of quickly move along sure. a little bit. But, you know, the, the 12 acts of courage are the courage to take responsibility, the courage to live with integrity, the courage to challenge our stories. And that really is about challenging the way we look at ourselves, challenging the, way, challenging the beliefs we have about what's possible for us. So often we are held back in life by beliefs about what we can't do. And I think that when we're willing to challenge that when we're willing to say you know what, I'm going to just 
put that belief to the side for a moment and I'm going to just dare, I'm going to dare to try to do something I've never done, to be, uh, a, a, to be a person that is uh, making a difference, that's achieving a level of success beyond what I ever thought I might have achieved. And you know, often when we step forward and try those things, you know, the results we get can be just phenomenal. Um, so challenging our stories, challenging um, what, what we see as possible for us, which leads into um, having the courage to dream bigger, which is chapter four of my book. You know, so often we're held back because we aren't really willing to ask ourselves, what is it I really want in life and in love? What do I really want for myself in this life? You know, we're on the earth it's such a short amount of time and we don't get a second chance. You know, I know it's cliche to say life isn't a dress rehearsal, but it's obviously extremely true. This is it. And often we regret far more the things we didn't do than the things we did. Michelangelo once said, the greater danger is not that our dreams are too lofty and we fail to achieve them, but it's that they're too small and we do. And so often we just don't dream big enough. We don't get clarity about what is my ideal relationship. If I was going to do my ideal job, what would that be? If I was going to have my ideal business, if that's what inspires us, what would that be? What would my, really, just getting clarity about what it is. And, you know, sometimes we don't, we can't always have everything we want. I'm not saying that we get to have, you know, uh, uh, you know, if I said, well, I really want to, you know, be the Queen of England, you know, that's not going to happen. But my experience is that the things that really inspire us in life, they tend to be the things that we actually can achieve you know, uh, that we do want to do. You know, not everyone wants to be a top fashion designer. The people that do want to be a top fashion designer tend to have a flair for design. Likewise, not everyone wants to climb Mount Everest or sail around the world or, you know, in my case, be a, be a best-selling author and, and, and empower people around the world to living with more courage. Not everyone's inspired to do that, which is great because, you know, the world needs diversity. We need people taking on all different types of challenges from figuring out how to um, solve the, the problem of cancer in children to, um, you know, reforming the education health system in the U.S. I think that is so important, and I, it, you brought up the question that it is, or you brought up the point, it's important to say no to the good, to say yes to the great. <laughs> that quote stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, and which is actually one of the latter chapters in the book, which is the courage to say no. And I, you know, I, I, it's interesting, you know, when I decided to write a book, I knew that I wanted to write about responsibility and integrity and dreaming bigger and challenging our stories and stepping into action. But I didn't really know exactly what would tie the whole book together. I, I just kind of had a sense that I was being called to do it. And at the time, I had four children under the age of six. Oh, wow. And, and there's no multiples in there either. So when I kind of really realized, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it would be great to write a book, I, I kind of struggled with, well, God, if I'm supposed to be writing a book and I've got four little kids, and, uh, you know, I need to really get clear that this is really what I'm supposed to be doing because it's going to take some time. And I sat with it and I prayed on it and I wrote in my journal and I meditated. And then out of just, you know, obviously out of just pure inspiration from that, from that universal intelligence or wisdom, whatever people want to call it, it just came to me, I was going to write a book on courage. And the title just was there on the tip of my tongue. It's like, it will be called Find Your Courage. And then the chapters of the book just rolled out, the courage to take responsibility, to live with integrity, to challenge our stories, to take action, to say no, to live with an open heart, to be a leader, to let go. And all of the chapters really just, really just, just rolled off my pen and I started writing and I've got to say the writing process was just a delight, a pleasure. It really was, I loved the writing process. I, I can't say I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the editing process or the, the process of 
trying to get the word out so people around the world could hear about my book, that you know that hasn't been always quite such a such a joy. But the book itself, I just I guess it really came from that kind of divinely inspired place. And the chapter on saying no really is was is seminal to me because you know with four children and a, a deep calling to empower people to living more courageously. I I really I, I have to say no to a lot of things. Sometimes I have to say no to having time with my kids. Sometimes I have to say no to having time with friends that I'd really enjoy having. Sometimes I have to say no to um, you know cooking a lovely dinner and I cook a quick one instead. You know, there's so many different things as we try and figure out how do we allocate the 24 hours in any given day. And you're right. Sometimes we have to say no to the good. To make room for the great and that's something I continue to struggle with continue to try and work toward how do I uh, manage the commitments that I have manage the time that I have so that I you know can do all and be all I aspire to and actually it's funny as you say that my uh, 11 year old son came to give me a cuddle good night and I looking at him saying okay I'll give you a quick cuddle but now you've got to scoot away I'm doing an interview <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. just life in motion right <laughs> I really was saying that I looked at him and I thought oh I can give you a cuddle I just can't have a conversation with you right now uh-huh. something else so relevant so relevant that's that's wonderful because that's really where we all understand and take it to our heart <laughs> So, you know, an important point that rings through the book that from my own perception was learning to really trust in oneself through the whole process that entails all 12 acts of courage. What can you recommend for someone who's barely grasping that they are actually capable and filled with the resources that they need? Ah, well, you know, I, I, I would just say to them, you know, in every, at every moment of every day of our lives, we have within us the resources that we need, all the resources we need to deal with that moment. And the next moment, we have all the resources we need to deal with that moment. And often what we do is we look out at all the moments added on top of each other instead of thinking about what I've got on to do in the next 10 minutes or to do today or to do this week. We look out and we go, oh my gosh, I've got that on this year. Or, and we add it all up and we go, oh, I'm overwhelmed. And, you know, I often think, you know, you don't have to live the next month today. You only have to live today, today. And to trust in yourself that you have all the resources inside you to deal with the challenges you need to face today, this hour, this minute, this moment. And then trusting that the next moment will take care of itself. And I realize that's often easier said than done, but it's the truth, and I really encourage people to practice it. And if you find yourself ever just feeling anxious, just imagine yourself 15 minutes after whatever it is that you're feeling anxious about, having met that challenge and everything turned out fine. And it often just makes us go, you know what? I can handle it. And so often once we've got through a period that we've been anxious about, we look back and we go, yeah, I don't know why I was so worried about that. It turned out okay. I think that is so true. When we reflect in hindsight on our fears, we see that they were in a sense silly or ridiculous or not necessarily based in reality, even though they may have been feeling like reality, they probably weren't actually in reality. And I think that is probably one of the first um for me awarenesses was going, Okay, you can trust because that really wasn't real. <laughs> you you made yeah. that up in your head. <laughs> yeah, we, and we make so much up in our heads. And you know, it's it's not what's happening to us in any moment that determines our happiness or our stress levels or our lack thereof. It's how we're processing what's happening to us in any moment. It's our attitude about it. It's our belief about it. This should be happening. This shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. This is fair. You know, you name it. So it's not what's happening. You know, you think about it. I remember when I moved to the U.S., I I had three kids. I had an eight-week-old baby, a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And we packed up our house the week of 9-11 to move to 
to Texas actually, and it was it was it was stressful, and I felt overwhelmed. And I remember when I arrived in the U.S. the day we flew to America. It was like a 36-hour trip actually, because so many flights were cancelled at that time. And I remember feeling a little bit sorry for myself. You know, well, wow, this is really tough. Three young kids. I've had to move to the other side of the world. I've lost all my support network. You know, I mean, you know, I, most Americans would say, yeah, you know, that that was that would be tough. But You're brave. Right. I remember. I remember I, I remember arriving here, though, and turning on the TV in the 24 hours, you know, 24-7 news. And the day we arrived was the same day that the U.S. invaded Afghanistan. And seeing so many refugees in Afghanistan heading to these camps over in, the, in um, Pakistan, and these are women with their children living in tents with nothing, and their husbands, some of them have got husbands, some have been killed, some are backfighting thinking, I'm living in, you know, I might be living out of suitcases for a few months, but I'm living in an in a, in a, in a apartment, I'm, my kids are being fed, we're warm at night, you know, I have a car to drive, I can pick up the phone and call my mother or my family. You know, these people are living in camps with no end in sight. So I think it's often really helpful just to reframe um, our circumstances and say, you know, there's so many other people that are doing it more tough than we are and it's not, ju- it's not the circumstances I'm in that are causing me the suffering and the angst and the pain and the stress. It's how I'm choosing to view these circumstances. How else could you choose to view the challenges that you're facing right now? Who is there in the world who'd love to have some of the challenges you're facing? If that was their biggest challenge, they'd be like, woohoo. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and I think just, just, just taking a moment to think about that. And likewise, you know, so often we have stories about who we are and we have a negative story that I'm not that good, I'm not worth that worthwhile, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that smart, I'm not that lovable, when I try things I fail, you know, my relationships never work out. I'm never going to be that successful. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could, I could go on all night with saying these things. Frankly, I don't even like saying it because I hate saying negative things like that because I honestly feel like they disempower me physically when I do it. But people live in those stories and they're like tapes that they're just on um, automatic rewind and play again. And I think start saying things to yourself that leave you feeling empowered and in the beginning you mightn't even believe them but start saying it anyway because our unconscious mind doesn't process yes this is true this is not true it just hears what we're saying and it takes it as the truth so when you say I am going to rise to the challenges that are facing me I am going to find a job that I really enjoy and I'm valued at I am going to create a wonderful relationship for myself you know, whatever it is, you know, put it out there that this is what you're going to create and it will empower you. It will leave you feeling stronger. It will put you in a different place. And, you know, what we focus on expands. And where we're, when we're talking about things in a way that opens up possibility for positive things to happen in our life, we attract those positive things into our life. That is a very important point. It's as what we speak about, whether it's negative or positive, is what we then create. So when we repeat our stories, we then create more of our story that doesn't work. If in oh, fact it's so it's true. A cycle. You know, I, it's so true. I, I, you know, our words create our reality. You know, the words you choose to speak, and you know, you do choose the words you speak. No one tells you what to say. So when you spend, you know, half an hour on the phone complaining to your girlfriend about how your boss sucks or how, you know, you just can never lose any weight or how, you know, your boyfriend isn't being very thoughtful at the moment or how, you know, I mean, it's the commute to work's just been worse and worse every day. You know, I mean, I, I, I get tired of trying to think of examples here, but, <laughs> but... That's you know, when you spend time complaining about these things, what are you putting out there? Just a lot of negative energy. Are you, are you helping improve anything by doing that? No. Are you coming up with solutions to things? No. So really be mindful of the conversations you're having 
And likewise, you know, and I say this in, in my book, Find Your Courage, be really mindful of the conversations you, you find yourself engaged in with others. If you're hanging out with people who spend a lot of time complaining about things, that is ultimately undermining how uh, your experience of life, your own well-being, and your, uh, your own, I guess, powerfulness in creating the life you want. You're buying into negativity. You're using up a whole lot of precious energy. And you're kind of getting caught up in the whole complaint trap as well. And I think it's so important when you find yourself in those conversations, either extract yourself from them or say to the person, so what could you do about that? You know, I get that you don't like it. What would you like to do to change that? You know, could you talk to someone about that? And just really trying to shift off what's wrong, what you don't like to, ah, what do you want, what can you do? Very, very, very valuable point. Really leading people into the fundamental direction of creating their dreams bigger and better. Yeah. We are speaking with... Margie Worrell, author of Find Your Courage, 12 Acts for Becoming Fearless at Work and in Life. You can find her on the web at www.margieworrell.com. That's M-A-R-G-I-E-W-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. And of course, you can link up to Margie on the Evolution Revolution Radio.com link. So please connect with her. We are so excited that you've brought forth this book. I think that there's not been a better time to really help humanity universally to really tap into that well of fears and to give them the tools and, and the support system to overcome that fear. And you've offered that so eloquently and so meaningfully throughout your book, Find Your Courage. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. And... Uh... You know, it's all a bit of a journey and I think life for all of us, there's different things we, we find that with different opportunities that we get through life and we all have different things we want to do and, you know, I really believe that life shrinks or expands in proportion to our willingness to give new things a go, to try new things, to step outside our comfort zone. For me, it was writing a book. Frankly, writing a book on courage took me a lot of courage because, Heck, you know, what if no one wanted to buy it? What if it was a failure? What if people thought, you know, I was the worst writer in the world? You know, there were some of the voices that were going through my head and I was like, ah, shut up, I'm going to write this anyway. Because uh-huh. I, I knew I didn't want to look back one day and say, I wonder if I tried. And I really want to ask people, you know, ask if you, just think about this. What's that one thing that, you know, you would love to do in your life? that you do not want to look back one day and say to yourself, I wonder if I tried. I think that is so important. You know, I have to add here, in college I was doing some research in the community that was very meaningful to me at that time, and it was um, applied social psychology research, and it was an independent project that we had to do as seniors at my school, and we each created our own project. So I went into the elder homes, um, you know, the local senior residences where they're mostly um, in their own freedom. They have little apartments, but there is some assisted care. And I spoke with the individuals who lived in the apartments, and I asked them. I wanted to know about their quality of life. How did they perceive their quality of life at this point? And the relationship was very clear that if they felt they had accomplished what they had hoped and knew that they were capable of, they perceived their quality of life in the same home as wonderful. If they had actually not fulfilled their desires and their dreams and their greatest aspirations, they perceived their quality of life as low in the exact same residence with the same food and the same rooms and the same nurses. So it really went to show that the common factor or the variable was an inner, an intrinsic element. It was within, within them if they had really fulfilled who they knew that they were and shared that with the world. Yeah, yeah. Isn't isn't that fascinating? And I yes, yes. So really validated what your book is bringing forth and the importance of do it now. Just. 
try anyways. <laughs> and you know what? And I would actually add to that well, a quote by Robert Browning, an English poet. He once said, the aim, if reached or not, makes great the life. We don't always achieve what we set out to do. But the fact that we have had the courage to try is what's made all the difference. Mm. And, you know, there are many people in life who've set out to end world poverty, uh, end child abuse, uh, ensure that every child gets an education, you know, cure cancer. And they haven't accomplished that. However, what extraordinary lives they led because they dared to try. And I think so true. Yeah, and I and I and I really encourage people. You know, I've 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 said for a while. I said I'm going to be on Oprah. In fact, you know, I heard she's retiring. I'd like to take over her job one day. And uh, and you know, people laugh because you know Oprah. Obviously, I don't think she knows my name at this point in the game. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, it makes life more fun and interesting and exciting because you know I love just that I'm I love that I even have it as a goal because it excites me and everyone has different goals so I ask people what's that goal that you could take on what's that vision that thing that inspires you that gives you a buzz that that if you took it on would give your present moment experience a completely different feel that you go ah this is what I'm up to I met a guy at a dinner party a couple of weeks ago and he's a cyclist. He's loved cycling his entire life and he's in his 50s now. And he said, you know, a year ago I decided I am going to get the world record for the fastest hour or ride for a guy 50 to 55 or something like that. And he's actually, he's been training really hard and it looks like he's going to get it. And he'll, he'll be the world record holder for a guy his age group for a, a one hour on a bike. And, you know, I'm not into bike riding. It's not something that I'd want to do. But he was so lit up by this. It was such a buzz for him. And I just absolutely applauded him and said, that is fantastic that you've taken that on. I mean, it's been a really, it's been difficult and challenging and exciting. And this guy's who he is in the world is a different guy than if he hadn't taken that goal on. So I really encourage people, think about what's a goal you could take on for yourself that would give you a greater sense of excitement and meaning and purpose, regardless of whether or not you one day achieve it or not, but that you have had the guts to try. Mm, I think that is so important. I think that we as humans need to know that we've put ourselves out there and really, le- you know, reached for the stars, as they say. And oh, and yeah. because we know we are a star. We know we're the light. We all are capable. We all have unique divine gifts. And when we harbor those and don't share them, we don't feel good about who we are. So it's just like that buzz and the light that you talk about. He was lit up. It's like we thrive for that as humans. And I think it's so exciting that your book, Find Your Courage, and your teachings and your coaching and your website, your offerings really surround people with the message that there are possibilities today that they can tap into within them that can help them to transform who they are and their upcoming experience as a human being. Yeah, look, absolutely. And that's, I, you know, I really absolutely believe that within every one of us are talents and gifts that we can use in the world to not only make a difference for other people, but that ultimately give us a completely different experience of just being alive in the world. And, you know, we, yeah, as I said earlier, we don't get a second chance at it. This is it. What's that? What is that thing that you have to do that you want to do that really makes you just feel like, ah, life is meaningful and wonderful and worth living? And I'll just, you know, say on that note, um, every month I write a newsletter that's called Live Boldly. And I write it because, one, it's great for me. It's, a, it's like I, I write, every time I write, I write, my writing actually helps me because it reminds me of what I know is true. But I also write it because I know that other people just need to be challenged and supported and encouraged and inspired 
in thinking bigger themselves and in living more boldly and in stepping outside that comfort zone that that we that's called a comfort zone for a reason and and taking on the challenges that call us to grow and to grow in who we are as a person and I encourage people get on my website you can either findyourcourage.com or margiewarrell.com sign up and you'll get um, actually also a, tw- a great little pin up of the 12 acts of courage I've written about in my book Oh, wonderful. So everybody go visit. That's so fun. I think that is so important. And as you're saying that to me, I have hummingbirds hummingbirds flying around the studio windows. <laughs> so the spiritual presence is within all of us. We all have this potential to shine our light. <laughs> I love the name, by the way, Live Boldly. It just speaks volumes. <laughs> So what are three steps as we come to a close this evening that a person can take in their lives to begin to manifest the bigger version of who they are? Ah, well, I would say begin with ask yourself, you know, where, what is it I really want in my relationships, in my career, uh, slash business, in my life? Get clarity about what you really want. And, you know, a, a clue here is, is there any area of your life right now that you couldn't rate at least an 8 out of 10? And so wherever you can't be rating at least an 8 out of 10, there's a good place to start. Um, secondly, what do I need to do? What's the, what do I need to do to, to bridge the gap between where I am now and where I want to be? So what's that one action? And then I would say break it down. Break it down. What's those first few steps? You know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And change is never easy. Even change from bad to good is still never easy. So break it down. Make it easy and get support. Get the support you need. Share with others what it is you want to do. And ask people, say, you know what, I really want to make this change, whether it's to lose weight or to, to meet a great guy or to be more assertive at work so people you know, get a better sense of who I am and the value I have to add. And I'd really like your support. Get, create a support network around you because you know we don't live in a vacuum and it's so important to have people around us to, to support us and encourage us in stepping forward and staying on track. That is such valuable advice. And if you'd like more information about Margie, you can explore her on the web at www.margieworrell.com. That's M-A-R-G-I-E-W-A-R-R-E-L-L.com. Only when we realize and embrace our fullest potential will we begin to live a fulfilling life. Remember that you are a beacon of light that is beyond the limiting path. You are infinite and have the ability to flourish and become your grandest vision of your highest self. Releasing the fear, illusions, and beliefs that have constrained you allow for a blank slate, a new beginning, and leave room for fresh impressions that foster courage, self-expression, divine love, support, and transformational new beginnings. Expand who you are today in baby steps to create a more magnificent you. You deserve to be courageous and shine bright. Next week on July 30th, Michael Tamora, a most divine spiritual teacher of our time, will be revisiting us with his masterful awareness and consciousness and touch upon his inspirational and revolutionary book, You Are the Answer. On August 6th, Teddy Bart will be appearing with his book, A Particle of God. Coming up on August 13th, Dr. Denise Baudet will be visiting... And on August 20th, Sharon Jeffers will be making an appearance with her Love and Destiny Divination System with the familiar deck of 52 playing cards with her book, Love and Destiny, Discover the Secret Language of Relationships. On August 27th, Dr. David Bercelli will be making an appearance from Namaste with his book, The Revolutionary Trauma Release Process, Transcend Your Toughest Times. Coming up on September 3rd, Pamela Brooks will be offering her well-rounded book with Choose Power, Tools and Techniques for us for Home and Work. Coming up on September 10th, Peggy McCall will be back with her new, new book release, The One Thing, 
In this exciting book, Peggy intends to awaken you to your innate ability to create and enjoy the secret recipe for fulfillment. On September 17th, Jeff Brown will be returning with his renewed expression of his book, Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation. And on September 24th, Robert Hill will be making an appearance with his book, Healing Young Brains, The Neurofeedback Solution, Drug-Free Treatment for Childhood Disorders, including autism, ADHD, depression, and anxiety. Coming up on October 15th, Noah Ben Shea will be making his appearance with his book, The Journey to Greatness and How to Get There. On October 22nd, Paul Rademacher will be making his appearance from the Monroe Institute with his enlightening book, A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, Travel Tips for the Spiritually Perplexed. On October 29th, Larry LeSean will be making his appearance with his leading pioneer in the exploration of meditation and paranormal research with his book, The New Science of the Paranormal, The Promise of Psychical Research. On November 12th, Barbara Hancow will once again be making her appearance with her divine wisdom and multidimensional teachings from the Mayan Code, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Catastrophobia, and the Pleiadian Agenda. Be sure to join us on the opening of Night 6 with her latest insights into the current paradigm shift of consciousness. And on January 1st, for New Year's, Richard Lawrence will be reappearing to discuss the limitless teachings of the 12 blessings and his co-authored book, Realize Your Inner Potential. Be sure to join us for a New Year's Bang this 2010 for a two-hour New Year's special with Richard. You can purchase all of our author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration, which can be further explored under the upcoming guests section on the homepage. Also, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage, the Radio Archives 2007, 2008, and 2009 tabs within the website, and of course, all episodes of Evolution Revolution are available for free in the iTunes store by searching Dulcinea. The archives are available and include amazing talent such as Dr. Stephen Farmer, Richard Lawrence, Barbara Han Clough, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Amit Goswami, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Arielle Ford, Peggy McCall, Alan R. Sieri, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Marla Martinson, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, and many, many more. Please share Evolution Revolution Radio with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. Also, you can now align with myself and Evolution Revolution Radio on Facebook. Search Dulcinea333, and please be sure to join the Evolution Revolution Radio fan club for free book offers weekly. I'm a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers services and classes via phone. Please search under the services and events page, which includes client testimonials and a wealth of information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio feature called Voices of Change on the EvolutionRevolutionRadio.com website under the Voices of Change tab. It offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. It includes exciting audio and guests like Paul Quinn, Lorraine Rowe, Star Hawk, Dreaming Bear, Joylena Goodings, Marla Martinson, and many more. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you're interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Margie Worrell. She was amazing and wonderful, and I just really appreciate you joining us with her book, 
Find Your Courage, 12 Acts for Becoming Fearless at Work and in Life. Much gratitude to you all for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you each an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, awareness, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.